And all I wanted to do was I just wanted to sound like me. And I would write my mom these letters and I would say, I'm working really hard. I just, I listen back to myself and all I want to do is hear the real me on the radio. I don't want to sound like someone that I'm not. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard Radio Flyer with nonstop service around the world. Heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and now YouTube. Your safety and comfort is important to us, so please direct your attention to your flight team. Freddie Rivera and Michelle Zuno. There's been quite a few radio people on Radio Flyer. Um, I'm really excited about this one because this guy's been on the radio in Los Angeles for like a long time, man. I'm talking about like a long time. And if you don't know who he is, well, let me introduce you to him for the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Wallengren, everybody. Freddie, how are you? Michelle, great to see you guys. How are you doing? Great what to see a you. year, what a year. For those who, uh, who don't know you outside of the radio industry, can you give us a brief headline of who you are, who you've been, and, and why why I'm so excited to talk to you. What, what, you know, why your name is such a giant name in radio. Well, you are very, very kind, Freddie. Um, I started working uh, in Los Angeles in 1985 for Coast 103.5 Radio. Uh, I have the distinct honor and pleasure of being part of the first equally billed, equally paid male-female radio show in the morning, pretty much in the entire country. Uh, since then, now you can't turn the radio on and not hear a, you know, a, a Mark and Kim. That was uh, the name of uh, my show for 22 years with yes. Kim Amidon. You don't see that. It's It's been emulated and, and copied uh, around the country and really around the world. And the, and the real thing was, back in the day, women were always the sexual sidekick, so to speak. I mean, Rick Dees, famous on KISS FM, as you well know your history there, Freddie. Uh, he had a newswoman that he called Rugburn Liz Fulton. Uh, <laughs> and it was Rugburn because everybody in the radio station had taken her to town on the carpet. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and, you know, another one who I uh, really have a lot of respect for is Liz Hernandez, who uh, worked with Big Boy for years and years, and, and now she's doing television. But she was luscious Liz. For that. me, it was just Mark and Kim. We were, you know, all equal. And we were just, you know, two people having a conversation that people dropped in and enjoyed. And and after 20 years on the radio, the two of us were honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes, and that's awesome. we won pretty much every major personality award that uh, the industry has to offer. So it was a real honor to be part of that for all those years. I mean, Coast 103.5, Mark and Kim, those two were symbiotic. That was a part of growing up in Southern California. But Mark, I want to take it back to the beginning where you're from, your family. Did you have family who were already in entertainment or in uh, showbiz? I really do kind of have a, a, a strange background. And I, you know, I it really goes back to my grandfather, my mother's father, who uh, was an advertising guy. And he started off painting road signs, billboards, before they had pictures, you know, they would hand paint those signs. He ended up in Chicago. He became very successful uh, being the ad guy 
and my grandfather's brother, Judge and Scott, there are two of them, ended up working for the Walt Disney Company as animators with uh, Walt in the early 1930s. Uh, they helped do Snow White and the and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, wow. my, I see my my credits. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, my uncle's. Uh, credits uh, roll through all the time. And then uh, my mother wanted to be a screenwriter. And she in the uh, in the late 50s and early 1960s, ended up starting to be one of these groundbreaking women that uh, in a male dominated business that started uh, writing for old shows like Death Valley Days, Please Don't Eat the Daisies, That Girl, she wrote for Adam 12. She ended up becoming um, uh, and most well known for her uh, role as executive story editor for the Waltons for years and years and years. Wow. Yeah. And then I just happened to get into radio because I knew a record producer. I grew up in kind of a in a crazy neighborhood where all these people ended up becoming very, very famous. But I met this record producer when I was a teenager and he said, your voice has changed. You ever thought about radio? I'd never thought about radio other than I loved music. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got into it there. I was going to ask you, why didn't you want to become an actor or why didn't you want to go into animation or or work for Disney? You know, I think to a certain degree, like most artists, you guys tell me how you feel, but um, I suck. Okay, and so for me, <laughs> to to get up in front of a camera and have to look at me, let alone listen to me, oh. you know, I just I did not like because I did try to do the acting thing and I did get parts and I was, you know, I mean, I, it was I was doing stuff. Yeah. But um, to go into a casting agent or a cattle call and be up against these people where it just seemed like this, if they didn't get this job, it was going to be the end all. I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I, I loved the being closed in a room um, where despite the fact that there might be many, many, many people out there, I, I could uh, relax and, and um, as long as nobody was looking. <laughs> you know, you know, for somebody who works outside of radio, there is something pretty cool when you're in a room by yourself and you talk to yourself because acting in front of a classroom is the scariest thing to me in the entire world. But give yeah. me a microphone and close that door and don't look at me and I can be the most confident <laughs> person in the world yeah. and create and, 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 and communicate. It's a real skill, too. I mean, you know, to, to be able to just uh, do it, people just can't you know, talk into the radio, because what you have to be able to do is imagine somebody there that you're talking to that because it's weird talking by yourself and and having done both for 22 years with a with a partner. uh, And then, you know, the last five years of my career uh, at Coast uh, doing it by myself, it's a different ballgame. But I loved uh, the challenge either way. What was your first real radio shift? Where was it and what were you doing? Well, in those days, uh, unlike today, which is such a challenge to get in and get on a a station, Mm -hmm. there were thousands of radio stations. Yeah, I think four or 5,000 radio stations around the country that you could get a job at. So I basically sent out an audition tape and I had this little station in a town named Preston, Idaho. Did you guys ever see the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. Yes. That was the town 
that I started in Princeton, <laughs> Idaho, where that story was based. As a kid coming from Los Angeles into a town of 3,000 people, you talk about a cultural shock. Right. I, I listen, I think them meeting me was a cultural shock for them too. But, you know, so from there, I was able to, you know, move up and, and get to other radio stations before I came back to LA. I made all my mistakes where nobody could hear. I want to ask you that because what was the the one big mistake that you remember that you recall? You know, that may be a little embarrassing or that may be like that one mistake where, you know what, this is the one time I messed up and I knew I would never do it again. Well, you know, and this is a funny story because everybody assumed I messed up, but I didn't mess up. I knew exactly (laughs) what I was doing. Uh, Are you guys familiar with the singer Johnny Mathis? Christmas artist. uh Chances are. I mean, he was an old school MOR artist who had a hit in the 80s with Denise Williams. Too much, too little, too late, I think was the name of the song. Mm -hmm. Johnny Mathis came in to promote the record when I was uh, first starting at Coast. Uh, He's a great looking guy. And I knew he was a golfer. And I asked him, I said, Johnny, you look great. Where'd you get that tan? And he paused, opened his eyes, looked at me and said, my parents. <laughs> you know, but I knew, like, yeah. come on. I mean, you know, he was a fair-skinned African-American yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he get out in the sun and it, you know. Anyway, That's funny, it was, Mark. everybody just thought that was the most appalling, yeah. awful thing that ever happened. But it was like, wait a minute. So that, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> Actually, not, not I'll give you one more, Freddie. And okay. I'm gonna okay. Tell anybody on the air, don't ever try this at home. I almost lost my job because of this. Oh, no. I moved from the Preston, Idaho into Pocatello, and I was working the all-night shift. I had stopped to grab something to eat on the way. I don't know what happened. I, uh, I got pulled over by a policeman, and he was an absolute... I, I just rude. I, you know, he, he accused me of running a stop. I'm arguing him with him because there's no way from the direction he was looking at me. Right. Long story short, he gave me the ticket, gave me all kinds of hell. I went to the radio station. It's midnight. I sign on. I grab an Eric Clapton record and uh, I dedicated this song to that officer calling him out by name and badge number. And the song. <laughs> was uh, Eric Clapton's I Shot the Sheriff. Hey! <laughs> I Shot the Sheriff! You know, honestly, oh uh, my it, was, it, it was stupidly insensitive, and I'm aware of that, but I got called in the next day. The chief of police was <laughs> you know, been out of shape. The general manager, I, sh- I didn't lose my job. I couldn't believe it. But the one thing I did learn in radio very early is really be willing to say I'm sorry a lot. Right. Sure. Where were you living before you came to L.A.? You know, I had uh, fallen in love with the state of Idaho. And I now there's just all kinds of Californians moving to Boise. And that's where I ended up uh, at the biggest radio station in Boise. I was doing middays. I was the music director. And I was also local commercial voiceover artist. And I was acting in a lot of TV commercials. So you were, you were spinning multiple plates at a time when you didn't have to spin multiple plates. Because I knew that I eventually wanted to come back to Los Angeles. I also knew that many radio stations in Los Angeles were union shops. I wanted to get 
all my ducks lined up in a row before I went. So number one, I had to save enough money that I could quit my job in Boise and just, I was just going to move home. And I just thought, I'll just move home. I'll try to get into acting, maybe do some voiceover, but I have this radio thing. I I could find a part-time job. I was able to submit some TV commercials that I had done through the Portland AFTRA, got to join AFTRA, moved here to California. Prior to that in Boise, I went to a printer and I had a a really very, very nice press kit uh, folder Mm. created. I mean, it was was custom, these are days of cassette tapes, cassette labels, custom two minute cassette tapes, uh, headshots, a folder, I mean, you know, all the stuff. And I sent it out and I got a rejection letter from KISS FM. I got rejection letters from all over the place. I got a phone call six weeks. I thought it would take me a year to find a part-time job. In six weeks, I got a call from uh, the office of Johnny K, the program director of Coast 103.5 then. His secretary said, I'm so embarrassed to call. There's no job opening here, but Johnny K wants to meet the person that put this press kit together. Wow. And so having been a program director and having seen how people submitted tapes right. and, you know, yeah. if you're not familiar, it's like, you know, an audition tape, mm-hmm. you just, you know, something together. So he didn't have a job for me, but he wanted to meet me and ask me about why did you do this? You put the, all this together. I sat with him for about an hour and he said, you know, what? tell you what, why don't you come in Saturday night? I'll throw you on all night and you come back Monday, we'll listen to the tape and, and see how it is. And so I, I did. And he said, why don't you come and take another shift? And it, it grew from the summer of 85 from just a part-time job to that December, they offered me mornings in 1985 wow. at Coast, which was within six months. I was, uh, I was in a little media market town yeah. and I didn't yeah. go to the San Francisco or the Seattle's. I just came straight to LA just saying, I'll find a part-time job. So I'm the luckiest guy in the world. That All way. Right. So you were here since you were uh, a kid basically. Yes. And then you, you had to leave LA to start your yep. career in radio, go to a small yep. market and work your way back. Correct. I, I really should have done it. I thought a little bit faster, but as I mentioned, I, I fell in love with the Idaho area. Um, but, uh, you know, once I got back, it was, um, I mean, and it was really kind of a sink or swim. Every day was, I've got to swim harder and faster than I did yesterday in order to keep up with uh, what was going on. And and what was going on when I first started was Rick Dees at KISS FM mm-hmm. was the biggest air talent in the United States. And he had just monster numbers. And the general manager, Wally Clark at the time, was throwing huge dollars in promotion. Rick had, you know, give away $5,000 to the 10th caller. And, you know, everybody else is you know, struggling to find a hundred dollars to give away. <laughs> right, right, yeah. There, there was some competition that was so fierce, and I was nobody. I mean, I was just this kid yeah. who nobody had ever heard of, and with this woman that you know had had a couple of jobs, and she had more of a name than than I did. But you know, it was it was a lot of hard work. Loved every second of it, though. Mm-hmm. So, how how did life change for you personally then? Because. Uh, now you're in Los Angeles, and I'm just going to assume that now there's a lot of attention on you, the entire station as a whole. I mean, how does your life change? 
you know, it's really funny. It changed a lot. There was a tremendous amount of attention on me. And I'm kind of one of those people where I'm flattered by attention, but I, I didn't know how to really take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never let it go to my head. Right. I don't even know how I did it, Freddie, in the sense of it went on for 35 years. I'll never forget driving to receive uh, the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And it was getting in the car, going towards the same radio station. It was now, though, 20 years later. And I don't know how I got there. Mm. We were able to connect yeah. some way yeah. with normal people and that's you know i never tried to be the fake star rick dees was a fake star in the sense of you know there was all this and it was (laughs) you know (laughs) i think that that's why the kevin and beans lasted so long as well it wasn't there wasn't the glam it was it was just relating to the people that are sitting in the car doing their everyday thing and we're just i just had a weird job i talked on the radio (laughs) anybody else's job and and certainly i never felt it was any more important than anybody else's job you were more relatable and more real more authentic than you know i'm sure at that time because everybody wanted to sound like you know rick d's and everybody else and here's you who was just doing you and that was the best thing about it and and Freddie, just you saying that is is that's the best compliment that I can ever get. The best compliment is is you're just like you are off the radio as you were on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I I'm a huge fan of of Howard Stearns because I, I greatly <laughs> admire what Howard has done. But what struck me and why I bring up Howard is Howard always talks about the radio that he grew up listening to. And we were always impressed. We always liked the, you know, the real Don Steele and we loved Charlie Fox. And, you know, they were all, oh, everybody was puking with their voices. And it was all, (laughs) um, and all I wanted to do was I just wanted to sound like me. And I would write my mom these letters and I would say, I'm working really hard. I just, I listen back to myself and all I want to do is hear the real me on the radio. I don't want to sound like someone that I'm not. And that's what Howard was doing at the same time. Little did I know, you know, he was doing the same thing. And so I hear him talking about this and I go, yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to do. So there was a, there was a movement uh, to this direction of which I think that we've seen a lot of that. There's a lot of it now. I remember first meeting Mark uh, in the hallways when I was working at KISS. And uh, Mark would sometimes just come down to the hallway and just talk to everybody. And I thought that was so cool because yeah. in my head, I didn't introduce myself to you, Mark, yet. I just I was just observing. And I remember you talking to everybody. And I go, how cool is that? That's that's Mark from Coast 103.5. And he's just, he's just chilling, hanging out and talking to everybody. I thought, Mark is the most down-to-earth dude on, on, on this floor. I've been very, very lucky to work with a lot of um, extremely talented people that have gone on to great things. But I just felt that it was very, very important to make sure that, uh, you know, to encourage and and be helpful to those younger people that were coming up because great talent, B, you want to be nice. Maybe they'll give me a job one day. I don't know. That's why. <laughs> Freddie, that's what we're doing. Dana. Yeah. <laughs> well, all me. January 1st. Here, here's what I'm really curious about, and I don't know the story at, at all for this one. The uh, the star on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. How did that come about, and what was that day like to go down there for the ceremony? 
that was that was that was magical and it right. but it, it it also feeds into that thing i mentioned earlier about not ever feeling like i deserve anything it's kind of embarrassing i mean it's like oh you know oh, yes, you know oh, that's this great i mean i was very very excited i mean the, the the names on that thing i do know that there's a committee uh and you're nominated and then you have to fork out uh, a whole bunch of money to yep. pay for the the star and i think i think that i don't know what it is now but uh back when i did it i think it was like you know 15 or so thousand dollars yeah uh, there was a whole team of the radio station that were uh you know wanting for our 20th anniversary um you know to make sure that you know we had uh something really nice to celebrate yeah. and we did so that day I didn't think anybody would show up. I knew my family would show up and we invited some people and we, you know, spent a lot of money on a on a post ceremony party. But when we showed up and we did a live broadcast thanks to the, you know, wonderful people at Walt Disney who we had such a, a an incredible relationship with and the Mark and Kim star is in front of the uh, El Capitan okay. right there across from, you know, the Man's Chinese Theater. There's only one way that happened because that real estate is owned by Disney. Uh, Michael Eisner, the then CEO, personally yeah. signed off to make sure that we had a spot, a good spot there in front of that theater. So one, getting a star is an amazing thing. Number two, the next thing everybody always talks about is, well, where is it? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I'm blessed to say that I've got it. But that morning I showed up and we broadcast live by 10 o'clock when the ceremony was kicking off they literally closed uh, two lanes of the holly of hollywood boulevard because there had been so many people that had uh, had had wanted to be a part of that which was incredibly touching and very emotional uh for me there so, were some famous people there too right well i'll i'll tell you there that the who you always have to have two celebrities that induct you and okay. so I wanted uh, my biggest celebrity uh, crush would have been to have Paul McCartney yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, induct us. And actually, from the story that I'm told by our former program director, uh, Stella Kuypers, was that she had Paul McCartney ready to go, except that his security detail would not clear i mean it was the, what it was going to cost for the security to have him be there all of a sudden that became just massively prohibitive so paul was willing to do it thank you paul um but because of the cost for security he didn't but that being said i would have had i would have had three with paul there but i did have a dear friend of mine who uh, I played softball with and I've known for many, many years. Uh, and he's an incredible director and that was Gary Marshall. Um, Gary Marshall inducted me along with Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow wow. was the first celebrity interview that the Mark and Kim show had wow. uh, in 1986. And we kept in touch with Barry and, and I you know, still know him to this day. Uh, and he was just one of our favorites. Plus, Barry Manilow, Coast being an adult contemporary format, in the 70s and 80s, he was responsible greatly, his catalog of music, for keeping Coast as popular as it was. And yeah. we wanted to honor 
uh, him in that way and and uh, and have him there, even though uh, he still does very, very well uh, with concerts. He's not been making as many records and certainly not selling like he did back in the 70s and 80s. Legendary. I've always wanted to see Barry Manilow alive. All right, Mark, what do you have coming up 2021? I, I'm looking at your Facebook page. You're on a plane. You're traveling everywhere. You look busy. What do you got going on? What do you got coming up? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a really great question. So I was released from my contract two years uh, prior to its ending. So I am basically sitting out. Um, radio is changing so much. I'm not exactly sure you know, what I want to do. And I would really have to believe in the people that, that I would want to work right. for. And I, yeah. I'd, I'd really have to know, you know, because it, it's, it's changed so much. So in, in that time that I have not been working, I've been fixing up my house. I've got a, a great <laughs> set of tools. You know, I, I, I love fixing stuff. I just replaced the drain pump on my washing machine. You ever taken apart a, a, a washing machine, Michelle? <laughs> Never. Let me tell you, I took apart that washing machine and I, I you know, it would have cost me $400 to have a repairman come in and fix it. I fixed it for $22. Wow. Michelle, you need to come and let, I'll, I'll, I'll show you how to fix a drain pump. I you think too, you friend. should show me because I might need to know that one day and I don't want to spend $400. Oh, everybody will need to know how to do that. <laughs> Well, hold you on. Know, and, Mark and was just do, helping somebody put up a TV on the wall like the other day. I was talking ah, on the phone. <laughs> so he's got uh, now yeah, right. the ultimate yeah. honeydew list. Well, and you know, and and I've got <laughs> two daughters uh, and both of them, you know, have uh, apartments and I'm getting oh, yeah. called for all the time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, just last night, uh, I was at my daughter's house. She lives over in Atwater Village and uh I put in a new bathroom exhaust fan. Her her shower was steaming up the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, I went and you know cut a hole in the ceiling and 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 put a a, a vent up there. Uh, so I do love doing that kind of stuff. And everybody says, well, why? I listen, Freddie. I've tried to on my Instagram. You can follow me at Mark Wallengren. But good lord, that's a lot of work just trying <laughs> to create a video to show you how you change up. Uh, and you know, it's like finally I go. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Right. So, and, I mean, I see people and they spend hours and hours and hours, yeah. you know, working on this social media stuff. And I mean, that's a, a real uh, game changer, Freddie, as you know, uh, in radio. I mean, yeah. how much the attention was for social media. And I would go, well, wait a minute. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I was getting measured based on social media. Right. Metrics. Yeah. That's the way you of know. the world right now. Whose world is this? (laughs) Well, let me add, I was was talking to one of these agents uh, about a week ago, and they were telling me somebody got a job in some radio uh, in in L.A., and they go, you want to know why he got the job, Freddie? And I go, no, tell me. He goes, well, because he has three million TikTok followers. And I go, man, social media is huge. TikTok. Huge. Hey, so here's what I'm learning. Go ahead, be great on TikTok and suck on radio because we'll hear you. We'll know exactly what you're doing. There is a real crazy, weird thing going on. And now because people are, you know, the reason a guy from TikTok gets on the radio is because radio has literally destroyed the ability to build new talent on their own and to train them in the radio world because 
everything as you drive across the country is directed and focused from the same five people in a national office that have made a directive that this is what radio is going to be like. And well, I know a guy, he was on 60 radio stations. Wow. Uh, he wow. was, uh, uh, and it wasn't even really syndication. He was just, it was, it was offered up as a package. If every one that he replaced that, let's say they made $30,000 a year, he was getting paid $800 a month and he was replacing $1.8 million worth of talent. Wow. Yeah. Right. And you, you go, that's what they, that's, that's what companies think of, of talent. Yeah. It's, it breaks my heart. Um, so anyway, you know, and, 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 you know, people are, are willing to sit in, in major markets and then think that they're going to, Oh, well, Hey, I get to be on in Miami. <laughs> And then they pay them $600 a month to right. be on Miami. I mean, it, it should be a living wage. You should earn right. enough that you could buy a house in Miami. Mm -hmm. You could buy a car. Right. What is $600? That's less than minimum wage. You yeah. know, yeah. it's a little bit tougher and the game has changed. Yeah. And, you know, it's why radio talent's being found on TikTok. It's funny how we started the podcast because honestly, we, I was in no rush to build a radio studio, Mark when I came back from Dallas, just because, you know, I was going a thousand miles an hour tracking multiple markets, you know, I mean, tracking and tracking and tracking and tracking. That's right, Freddie, you were doing exactly what I'm describing here. <laughs> yeah. And when you have only three companies owning everything, all of a sudden, there's no competition. Yeah. You don't, you can't even go and negotiate a wage. They're gonna tell you what you're getting paid. Right. And it makes, it makes it really, really tough. So yeah, you know it. But I've what I am thankful for is Michelle and I, we went to a, a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Then we went out to a bar afterwards and we were talking over a drink. And, and you know, she had, well, you, did you want to describe it to Mark? It was just one of those moments where you're a few drinks in. It wasn't one drink. <laughs> it was a few drinks in. I and, like nice. you know, where it feels like no one else is present there. And it was just us two. Right. And we were concentrating on this conversation so deeply and so intently about what Freddie was going to do next, returning to L.A., where he feels most comfortable. He didn't know if he wanted to be back on a contract, didn't want to be back in radio, but he has the radio voice. He loves to do that, and he has a talent for it, obviously, for many years. And I said, well, I've, I'm an avid podcast listener myself, and I said, we should start a podcast. That's exactly what we should do. And we didn't have an idea of what we wanted to talk about. We hadn't even worked out any of that stuff yet, but we just knew that it was something that we had to do. Yeah, and and it, the pandemic started. So what I right. did was I said, okay, well, now that we're gonna have time, I gutted out this extra room and I started just painting. I went to Home Depot, Mark, and I, I just started painting the walls. And as soon as I started painting the walls, <laughs> It just hit me and I saw the vision of what the studio is going to look like. And I started putting it together. I bought two microphones for me and Michelle yep. and we just started recording it and we built the podcast around it. And it slowly yeah. became stories of oh. people in Well, because I only know people in radio, you know, right. and it's been stories like that. So that's how the podcast yeah. came about. I just wanted to. And, you know, the thing that I've always really admired about you, Freddie, is that, you know, sitting there all those years uh, at KISS FM, and, you know, you were always there waiting, you know, you, you were well rehearsed, you were well prepared. 
And I, I think that that was the same with me when I first started at Coast. Again, summer of 85. Everything is still live. Mm. Okay. There are syndicated shows, but for the most part, everything is still live. Mm. But I was able to have that, that, that luck of the door of opportunity opening up. And I was prepared to walk through it and be able to deliver on the goods. You too have absolutely been prepared and given the times, the opportunities are not as great. Right. And, you know, for as, and because you did a lot of great work at KISS FM. Thank you, Mark. You know, you should have been full time at KISS FM Thank a long, you. long, long time ago. The thing is, is, is that that top 40 tends to be, uh, you know, a, a, a youth oriented format. And yet all of a sudden you have got these these people. This is why I always chose adult contemporary radio. Mm -hmm. If my target audience was 25 to 54, I knew that, hey, well, I I could I could talk to these people until I'm 60. Right. I mean, I could easily relate. I could do that. But it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit different in 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 CHR. And, you know, so I'm hoping that some phenomenal opportunity opens up for you because you're you, you're ready right. for it. You're prepared for it. And you've got the stuff for it. Right, Michelle? I, I agree. You, I 100 percent agree. <laughs> I'm not great. drinking. Mark, I, I got I to gotta ask you, you've you've so far you have had an incredible story and you're honestly genuinely an incredible human being. Are you or will there be a book about your story in radio anytime soon? You know, it's really funny. Uh, I come from a, a family of writers. My there brother, uh, my oldest brother, my late oldest brother, um, he started Baywatch. That's wow. right. You can blame him. <laughs> wow. Um, but so uh, all these guys, uh, my, my family, uh, were writers. And it terrifies me. It terrifies me to sit down and to think that I have to write something. First of all, it terrifies me because I'm a slow typer. Second of <laughs> all, you know, I'll go up to Facebook. And if I'm going to go on a, a rant on Facebook, holy crap, it'll take me an hour and a half to mm. write three paragraphs. How long would it take me to write a book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe a, an oral history. And let me take that in the sense of, what you guys do with a podcast because a lot of people ask me why don't you do a podcast right and my problem is i don't like doing anything unless i know i can absolutely do it right mm. freddie it would take me <laughs> 40 hours to produce one right. hour of audio right and you know what it, you think that, but it, it kind of starts out that way. I mean, your ideas—you want right. to be, you want to have the best episode, but sometimes it just happens so organically, and you don't expect it. You know, it just we'll we'll run through it, and it'll you know, obviously we're recording an hour, two hours, two and a half hours sometimes, and we have to cut it down to thirty-eight right. minutes or forty-eight minutes, and um, by the time we listen to it, we're like, wow, that was that sounds really good. I wouldn't change a thing, and we could add music, we could have added little sound effects or something like that but yeah. i don't know it, it depends on your content and yeah. i think you should just you just have to do it try it but don't be so harsh on yourself when you listen back to it because that's well, what we and, do to ourselves yeah. <laughs> hence my problem <laughs> on yourself, it'll right? happen it's just, 
I would wake up with my morning show. I would get up 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I would sit on this very computer in this office here uh, at my house, and I would start kind of just all I wanted to do was organize and know that if anything came up, I was familiar with it. Because yeah. if there's anything I don't like doing uh, with a guest or with anything is, is not being properly prepared. Right. I would get home you know, sometimes three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like, I'd be in bed at 6.30 or seven o'clock. My wife, who are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of work. Well, let me you ask know. you, are you natural? Are you naturally a morning person? Oh yeah. I'm well, let me rephrase. Okay. Um, uh, no, uh, <laughs> but I became one okay. after, after, <laughs> after 35 years or 30 years doing mornings. Yeah. Uh, and then the last five, I was still getting up. Uh, I loved getting up at five, four o'clock and five o'clock in the morning when I was working the afternoons at coast, just having the whole day here at the house is like, I had a whole day before I had to go to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I would come home and I'd be in bed by eight 30, yeah. you know, nine o'clock starting it all over again but well mark is there anything that you are looking forward to uh whether it's you know career personal what what, what do you got coming up mark uh in 2021 the rest of the year well you know uh honestly as as much as it was uh uh a dispiriting uh departure uh from coast I would have loved to have worked out the final two years of my contract and 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 done a uh, a wonderful retirement thing and and I always wanted to you know come back and just be kind of like maybe just do weekends to keep my feet in it whatever and maybe that's something that I'll I'll do but what happened by uh, taking that time off you know especially with the pandemic is I have never spent so much time with my family. Yeah. I mean, ever. And I can report to you that I like them. (laughs) I I actually, I, I really do. I like what I've created. My mother was so good to me. She's now 93 years old and she can't live on her own anymore so all four of us surviving children are taking turns going to santa fe new mexico which is beautiful beautiful city she's up over looking over the city in a in a in a gorgeous house in an arroyo and i'm just taking care of her i'm literally uh her domestic caregiver and we just sit and talk and i'm hearing stories about the family and my life that I don't think I ever, I would have been wound too tight and fast and, you know, work, 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 work. And before she goes, I'm going to, I'm going to have all of this, you know? So I'm, I'm really in a great spot. Well, time, time well spent is an understatement for sure. And I think you said that you like your family. Well, I'm sure they really like you too, Mark. So, and are you kidding me? Listen, I got to tell you, every time we get a new pet, I, I'm down the ladder on the family. You know, like everybody, everybody loves mom. You know, everybody, it's mom, mom, mom. Nobody calls me. You know, uh, Mark, w- uh, throw your social media so uh, we can continue to contact you and talk to you. And you know, I I remember when I first got my job at Coast, Johnny K said. Hey, listen, uh, do you want to change your name? You're going to keep that name. And I said, well, you have a Mike Sacalorides and you have a Ted Ziegenbush here. Yeah. Uh, 
Mark Wallengren is fine. So <laughs> all my social media, nobody else has Mark Wallengren. Yeah. So um, and and it's spelled just like it sounds. Wall E N Gren. Wall N Gren. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, TikTok? No, am I on TikTok? I, <laughs> I got to check if we're I'm on look, TikTok. Yeah. We're going to look for you <laughs> on TikTok. Well, and my Insta stories, I've got a new dog who's, uh, we've got a little pandemic dog. Oh. You guys have got a, a got a new pet during the pandemic? Yeah, I, I just got one like just two weeks ago. Freddie did. Yeah, it's a oh, miniature Doberman. Okay. Yeah. We have this little uh, 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 kind of a Shih Tzu mix and we got her in the middle of the pandemic. But, you know, they're now talking about what we are all psychologically in for when all of a sudden we get back to normal and we leave our pets. Mm. So take care of your pandemic dog, get them trained, right. search right. it, take right. care of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we love our little ones. Yeah. You guys, it's sure. so good to see you. Freddie, you look great. We're recording this, but it's on zoom. So I get to actually see what I'm doing. And Freddie, your studio looks great. I love that electro voice. Mike, both of you got them. I Thank you. you. But Mark, we have a lot. We have a lot more to continue too. So this is a cool time to stop and I guess regroup again. You know, maybe months down the line. But uh, I would love to have you back on again, Mark. And uh, we really appreciate you and your time tonight. Uh, so. Of course, Thank it you. was of wonderful course. to yeah. meet you, and I hope you to too, see you Michelle. soon. Oh, and and Mark, real quick, I want you to introduce you to my cousin here. He's uh, from Texas. Uh, his name is Travis. Do not tell me he's from Texas, for God's <laughs> sake. Are you kidding me? Can you tell? Hey, Travis. Howdy. How are you? I'm doing well. You're running the camera, too? I'm helping out as best I can. Well, next time I'll come out there to Rancho Cucamonga. We'll do it there. Do you have two mics? Michelle, where are you? I'm across from him. Look. Oh, you are? Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. All right. All right, you guys. Listen, right. I, I'm sorry if I if I went uh, uh, crazy on you. I, <laughs> no, you're I fine. Be, that was awesome. You know, I was in radio once, and it's I, I'm no good at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. That's Radio Flyer. My name is Freddie Rivera with Michelle Zuno on the blue mic. A big thank you and a shout out to Mark Wallengren, legend, legend in radio here in Los Angeles, Southern California, and really just a good guy. I am sincerely happy that I had the opportunity to meet Mark when I was working in the building with him. All right, you can hear us, the Radio Flyer podcast on every platform that plays podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, the list goes on, freddyrivera.net. We'll be back again next week. New shows get uploaded every Thursday. And to this very day, I still don't know how to end my own shows. <laughs>